I want to start by going back to your earliest life um, and your earliest memories of fashion because you didn't actually come from a fashion background or indeed aspire to work in fashion. You were going to become a secretary, I think that's right. I wasn't ambitious at all in the sense that I thought I'd ever have a career. I knew I'd always have to work for a living, but I didn't ever envisage a kind of career and I was absolutely hopeless at school. Um, but my mother adored clothes and actually when I look back on her life, I, I see that she was I didn't sort of notice it particularly at the time, but she was absolutely passionate. Um, we had no money at all. Uh, so I've always, you know, I've worked since I was sort of 13. And, but I think she really ignited a passion about clothes, but not in a sense of a career, but more of how to dress oneself. Mm. And I suppose my earliest memory of fashion was, there was a shop that's now Emporio Armani in Brompton Road, and it was called Escalade. And I remember, my mother lying on the floor when Escalade first opened. It was such a groovy shop and we just thought it was incredible. We couldn't really afford anything in it, but we just thought we'd try on all the clothes anyway. And she lay on the floor trying on a Louis Ferro khaki suit that was covered in plastic zips. And she lay on the floor trying to get the zip of the trousers up. And I think <laughs> I sat on her stomach. Um, <clears throat> no, but she loved clothes. And we would always look at clothes shops. We'd always go to Harrods and my mother would always come with me with a tape measure and would go and measure everything up and then would go and buy the fabric and try and memorise it and copy it. Um, so she always sewed, I always sewed, I still do, have a Singer sewing machine. So that was sort of my m earliest memories of fashion I suppose, was more about, about how to wear clothes oneself and how mm. to get a kind of a certain style and I guess I was always interested in that but mm. that came definitely from my mother. Did you think of your clothing and the way you dressed as a form of personal expression were you quite particular as you were growing up with yes people? I think so <clears throat> and I think I I don't think that we ever felt as a family we were quite an odd family and I don't think I ever felt that I fitted into a kind of bracket I didn't I didn't sort of feel aspirational in that sense about clothes I didn't feel that they I didn't feel I wanted to be put into a tribe with what I wore. Mm. And I think that's what's very different today, where, you know, when I was growing up, none of my friends and I wanted to be conventional. I mean, if we looked the same as each other, that was a really big no-no, mm. because we wanted to look very individual. And I think that was a wonderful thing. And I wasn't really aware, I think, <clears throat> that there were fashions. I think I recognised people like Sloane Rangers on the King's Road who wore sort of pearls and pie cross fill collars. Mm and sort of huskies, or I knew sort of horsey people or whatever, but I, I didn't feel it was a statement of sort of wealth and I didn't feel that I had to belong in my clothes, quite the opposite. I felt that I wanted to be individual. Mm. But I also didn't feel that I wanted to make a statement either. And I don't think I ever, I mean, it's interesting. I've only just thought that now. I, I don't think I ever want to make a statement with clothes. I don't want my clothes to say something about me that I that I wish was the first message. Mm. I think I always felt growing up that I wanted to look different, but not different to who I felt I was inside. Has that affected the way you style? I was very interested that you said it wasn't about making a statement. You wanted, you didn't want your clothes to be the first statement you made. Has that affected how you styled? It's more no. about... No. No. I, in fact, I think Alex, Shulman, our editor, wishes I was a bit more like that because... <laughs> um, 
you know, sometimes I sort of think, I'd love, you know, I really want to share a story for Vogue about, you know, clothes that people really want to buy and wear. And then I get so caught up that it never ends with just a sort of, you know, straight pencil skirt or a nice shirt or, mm. um, because that's not the way I style. No, I think they're two very different things, I think. Mm. Um, they shouldn't be, perhaps, but they are. Mm. So let's let's keep talking about when you were when you were younger. You said that you weren't particularly. Well, you said in previous interviews you weren't particularly, you know, careerist or ambitious, and you you didn't you weren't particularly academic at school. What was the point where you started to sort of follow an artistic path? Because you went to art college with your your mother, and you enrolled I at did. the same time. I did, because I thought I was going to be a secretary, and I was perfectly fine with that. And um, but then we didn't have enough money to do a secretarial course, so. Uh, in those days, you know, you could get a grant and they were really, you know, pretty generous if you hadn't got much money. And so my mother and I both, we both made portfolios on the kitchen table, really bad ones with, I think, sort of pasta. Pasta was involved, <laughs> wool. Um, and we made portfolios and she got in uh, to London College of Printing and I got into Hornsey. And she became incredibly successful, having not been a career woman either and became a number one decorative paper specialist and wrote 10 books for Thames and Hudson. I hated art college, I went, absolutely hated it. And I suppose, in retrospect, looking back on it, I hated it because I wasn't good at it. I knew I was there and it was a bit of a sham. Mm -hmm. There were people who were really good at drawing, at you know, creating, and I knew I wasn't good enough. And I think that's probably where I felt competitive, is if I did something, I always had to be quite good at it. Even though I wasn't academic, I was good at art. Um, but I didn't think I was ever good enough to go to art college, and that was never really a sort of career option to be an artist. But, but at Hornsey, and fashion was very, very much not encouraged because it was quite left-wing at the time. They thought fashion was very frivolous, not interesting, not intellectual. And, yeah, and I was there for just the foundation course, and... I discovered the Perspex room and I could, I mean I always liked making my own clothes and making things, we, it was a very, you know I grew up in a, you know, making a lot of things out of cornflake packets, we're very good with our hands and so I thought I could start making some jewellery, so I did start making jewellery out of the Perspex and then I began to sell it, I mean I couldn't tell anybody at Hornsey because that would be a real no-no, like <laughs> really not not what you were there for but it sold quite well and so I just thought this is this is something I ha I mean it was pretty hideous jewelry we're talking about my sort of 70s 80s now <clears throat> but um one pair of earrings got into a magazine and that that for me I think I've said that before is just a total light bulb moment I mean I hadn't been a magazine buyer or reader uh, I didn't follow fashion in that way but I thought the process of making something and then it ends up as, you know, on a model in a magazine was just extraordinary. Mm. And so then I left art college and yes, made made the jewellery in my bedroom with mm. and bought Black and Decker and did it on my own. Has that sort of thirst to create stayed with you? Because you mentioned you, you have your sewing machine and you collect fabrics as well. I collect everything. I mean, I'm sure it's a great personality disorder, but um, <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with my styling. I'm a great hoarder. I love collections of things. I love, I love stuff. I mean, I love paintings. I love architecture. I like balls of wool. I like quality street wrappers. I like things that are shiny, things that are cheap, things that are really expensive. 
<clears throat> I just love a lot of different things. And that's why the job is so in intense and incredible because you get to travel and you get to see such a range of things. Mm. But I do think that that making thing and that craft thing definitely, um, definitely impacts on my styling because I love having things made up. I mean, I love going to the shows and I love seeing fashion, how the designer wants to present it. But I never want to present it in vogue how I see the designer presenting it. I want to do something with it. I want to make it, not my own, but I want to make it, I want to make it a narrative. So let's talk about the transition from, you know, you making your jewellery to, to sort of moving into styling. Tell me a bit about your first sort of, how you came to be at Vogue. Well, I think by that time, I think that I had identified that I would like to be in fashion. And so I got lots of different sort of jobs. I thought any jobs to do with clothes um, and fashion, because now this idea of the magazine using things and seeing how the process, kind of a little bit about how it worked was really interesting to me. And so I worked in Topshop, you know, sales assistant. I made some costumes for an Edinburgh Fringe Festival show. Very bad, I think I got sacked actually. I didn't wash the clothes well enough. <laughs> <coughs> but just anything really. But, but I also had to make some money, so I was just doing photocopying and, and actually at the time that I rang Vogue, I was working for the rubbish department in Paddington, <laughs> typing out their accident reports. But I just rang, I think I, think I <clears throat> wasn't afraid and I think I just thought I'll ring round and I thought I'll ring Vogue. And what was incredible was the HR assistant was ill that day, so the head of HR answered the telephone and I said I'd love to come and see you. Now I'd be terrified about doing that, but I don't know why I wasn't frightened. But she said, <clears throat> you can come in. I went in. She said, you've never sat behind a desk before. You've never been a secretary. So I said, no. She said, you can't type. No. She said, but I like, I like the feel of you. I like, you know, what you have to say. And she was so supportive. And she said, go away and learn to type. So I went and bought a book, taught myself to type at the kitchen table, got myself up to speed, rang her back in three weeks, said, I can learn to type. I've learned to type. And she said, OK, there is a job going. It's possibly the worst job that you would want, but, <laughs> you know, hang on in there. And it was secretary to the woman, Miss Davis, who did the petty cash. And at the time, you know, I had very little money and I used to make all my own clothes. And I did look like a freak. I mean, when <clears throat> I look back, I mean, I had multicolour hair. I didn't look like anything. I didn't look, I wasn't punky or I wasn't... But I wore furnishing fabrics, you know, tassel. I don't know what I wore. Anyway, I looked like a freak. But I got this job, and um, and that, I think around that time, Mario Testino saw me from the top of a bus. <clears throat> My hairdresser, who I just used to go in for student nights, you know, and they'd cut, dye your hair for free, said, oh, would you like to have your picture taken? I was like, oh my gosh, of course, fantastic. <laughs> and they sent me to Mario, to Mario's squat. He lived in a squat, we met. He said, I saw you from the top of the bus today. And that was very, that was a really incredible meeting because he was just starting to be a photographer. I thought I wanted to be this thing called a stylist. And in those days, mm. it was a fashion editor. Loved clothes. And we did tests together. And at that time, Grace Coddington was fashion director of Vogue. And she spotted me. And then there was a stupid story where I lit up a cigarette and then threw it over the partition, landed on the editor's assistant's desk. She thought it was hilarious. She was a smoker, luckily. <laughs> and she said, have you met the editor? And I was like, no, I don't even know what she looks like. And the next day I got a job as her, as the editor, Beatrix Miller's secretary. 
And she really taught me, you know, to be not chaotic and um, to work in an office environment, which I never had done really, and the workings of a magazine. And she really invested in me, I think. I, I feel very lucky to have been at that time at Vogue with Miss Miller because she was extraordinary. And Grace kept on asking if I could be her assistant because I think she liked the look of me. And, but once she got hold of me, she realised I was an absolutely terrible assistant. But <laughs> I became her assistant for about three years, which mm. was amazing. I'm interested because just then you said, you know, I'd, I'd worked out at this point that I wanted to be a stylist or a fashion editor, as it was called. What point did you realise sort of what a stylist was and what was it that excited you about that? Was it just that process of seeing your jewellery in the magazine? Was it that, what was it that sort of excited you about that? I think the thing that most excites me is photography. I mean, I do think it starts from an idea of a picture. Um, I think when I went into the Vogue fashion room, I was amazed at how conventional everybody looked. They looked, they were all dressing in sort of white lace and it was, you know, very much set. You know, what you look like, it was set. And I didn't feel I fit into that mould, but what I loved, I mean, I loved the clothes coming in. I mean, I loved, but it's interesting because actually what I really loved, and I'm just thinking about it now, was say Grace was doing a kind of Nebraska story or, you know, what I loved was going to the Chelsea Fire Station and begging to borrow some of their overalls because I thought the yellow overalls would make a really good picture. So that has, hasn't changed. I'm still kind of going to the Chelsea Fire Station and looking for things. So I don't think with me, it, it never starts with clothes. I love clothes and I have a passion for clothes, but it starts with the picture that I want. Not that I want to take, obviously, but the picture that I think would be inspiring if I was a Vogue reader. It's a story that I want to tell, not a dress that I want to sell, if that mm. makes sense. So it all starts with a kind of a, a certain picture in your head and it can be inspired from anything. As I've just said, mm. it can be, you go, you know, it can be a box of sweet wrappers, it could be a bunch of Smarties, it can be a painting, it can be a dropped flower, it can be a petal, it can be anything. Um, so I think working for Grace was incredible because in a way that's what I think she taught me because mm. she always saw things very, very differently. She was slightly, and still is, I think, askew to the world in a really magical way. Mm. So, and she didn't really have a formal education. So if she came across Miro or Man Ray, or it was, it, was, it was like a sort of newborn baby looking at it. There wasn't any history. She looked at everything very f in a very fresh way. Mm. And I think that's what makes her styling so incredible is there are references, but they're references that aren't like anybody else's references because she's looking at it as if for the first time. So, you know, if you get somebody who's very educated or very educated in the visual arts, whatever, there's a sort of baggage there. She, had, she has no baggage. So I think she really taught me how to, and I think I was ready, and I think I looked at the world quite like that anyway, but she was such a wonderful mentor for me because she looks at the world in a way that's very different. Mm. And I think when I walk down the street, everything is a possibility of a picture. What, what would you want your, your legacy at Vogue to be? You know, when future generations look at your work, because fashion is a symbol of the times you know, in yes. a wonderful way. What would you want people looking back at your tenure to, to think of what you've produced? Gosh, I don't know. I've never thought of that. Um, 
Because I suppose I also see what I do in a very private way, is that I'm not really out there, I don't think. <clears throat> and, and I often think that if I thought there was a Vogue reader, and thank God there are millions of Vogue readers, because our circulation is very good, but I never do my job thinking that anybody else is going to look at it. Because I think if I thought that, it would stop me from doing what I wanted to do. So I don't feel those restraints. And in that way, I don't feel I've ever thought what I'm doing has particular meaning or legacy. It just has relevance for me. Um, but I suppose that what I'd love somebody to take from any sort of fashion photography is that you can do whatever you like. You know, if you've got a platform, if you find a platform, you know, don't be restrained by conventions or what everybody else is doing or, you know, you can do something that doesn't feel fashionable. It doesn't feel the latest thing. It feel, I would say, confidence to do one thing one minute and then do another thing the other minute. I mean, what I love about fashion is, particularly now and in the last, you know, 10 years, is the breadth of it. So you can do an androgynous boy story and you can do the most crazy, gorgeous, feminine couture story. What I would hope is that, that in a way it could be a weakness as well, is that I don't have a, a particular style, that I love everything. And I think, I think that's important for people to embrace everything and to keep your mind really open. And I would hope that maybe just a little bit of my work might say that, that you know you don't have to have this particular style. You can, you can be all things to all people and it's not a weakness, it's a kind of, it just gives you that breadth of dreams which I think is so, so exciting.